From Relay FM, this is Flashback. This season, we are looking back through technology history to better understand the trends. Jeez, oh, okay, here we go. From Relay FM, this is Flashback. Jeez, oh man, this might be a bad day, Stephen. Okay, here we go. Shot a roll all day. I'm I'm all worn out. It took it took three times last time. Oh, that's true. So you still got one to go. Magic on the third time. That's what they say. That's a saying. Okay. From Really FM, this is Flashback. This season, we are looking back through technology history to better understand the trends that we see today. My name is Quinn Nelson, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Stephen, how you doing? I'm good, Quinn. How are you? I am well. Uh, sitting here in a chair. I'm getting my first vaccine. Uh, my first vaccine shot tomorrow, so that's exciting. Nice, very nice. I rumor. Rumor has it on the street that some people are already done. Yeah, I'm done. I've had both. Feeling good. Yeah. You That's know, lucky. Going into stores and licking the handles on things. Yeah, I'd, no, I'm not doing that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Basically, but. nothing has changed for me except that now I have the, the sweet Pfizer in my veins. <laughs> That's definitely the way to word it. Mm-hmm. Well, today is an especially exciting day because we are talking about Motorola again. We did it last week. This is kind of part two. Yeah. Well, I mean, is it though? No. Because last week we talked about the Razer, which, which is a good to phone. put it mildly, was wildly successful, <laughs> was a great phone. And now we're talking about something that is also four letters. It's also missing a couple of vowels and syllables, but it wasn't quite as popular. And that's the Motorola Rocker. Hmm. Remember this phone? I do remember this phone. I remember it very well. I never owned it. Uh, you've got mm-hmm. one, which we'll get to. I will say, when I see it typed out, I want to pronounce it Roker, like Al Roker. Yeah. <laughs> the Al Roker phone. Yeah, exactly like that. Uh-huh. He was on stage. He he personally, uh, no, he didn't. Don't, don't sue us, Al. Mm. So last time we spoke about the Razor, this is another phone, and they really couldn't be more different. Uh, they've really just just miles apart in terms of features and quality yeah. and how they came into the world. You know, last time we spoke about the Razor, it was this cool secret project, and then they went to Europe, some fancy art museum. Uh, this time they had um, this little startup, uh, Apple, you know, their CEO, Steve Jobs, uh, he announced it. Kind of kind of different. Uh, yeah. Well, did Steve Jobs work at Motorola? Uh, no, I don't oh, think so. That's a bummer. Yeah. So this was announced by Apple at an Apple keynote in September of 2005. And to put it into context, this event, oh man, there was some exciting stuff at this event, like the launch of the exclusive Harry Potter audiobooks, Ooh. and Madonna's whole library coming to iTunes. Ooh. Oh, and then they also announced um, this little thing called the iPod Nano and killed the wildly successful iPad min- or iPod Mini just because. doesn't matter that it's selling. We've got a new one. It's called iPod Nano. It's pretty cool. But yeah, that's for a, a different time, I guess. we got to talk about the actually important device from this keynote, the <laughs> Motorola Rocker. <laughs> yeah, this is back when every September Apple would have uh, a music event. They ran these for a really long time. And of course, now we have generally have the iPhone announcement in September, but this was when they were just turning over iPods um, every year. And this mm-hmm. phone snuck its way into it as well. You know, it's funny. I wrote about this phone in 2009, so four years after it was introduced. And I opened okay. my column, uh, apparently, because I didn't remember it, I searched for it. Uh, apparently over my column about how much Apple had changed in the four years between the announcement and my blog post. And here we are another 12 years later uh, talking about this device. T- time speeds up is what it does. It it does. But, you know, Apple hasn't changed much since 2009. Uh, so let's get – that was a joke in case anyone missed it. So <laughs> let's get to the phone itself, Okay. It had been rumored, actually, for nearly a year by the time it was announced. And, you know, we'll look at the phone and you'll be like, really? People were talking about that? That was a rumor? But yes, it was. Uh, and from a hardware perspective, oh, it was very – how do I how do I put this? It was very Motorola, okay? So taking the candy bar format, which had long been very, very popular, it featured metal buttons below a two-inch color screen. And you know what? As you mentioned earlier in in the video, 
or in the show, sorry. Mm. Ooh, look at me. I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> I make video. <laughs> I currently have this phone in my hand and nothing about it feels expensive or nice or metal. I'm, I, I don't know if they are. I mean, maybe they, they kind of feel like it. They don't feel plasticky, but they don't feel nice. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute, but if, from, from a glance, from far away, this looks like an old Nokia phone from like the 90s. This does not look like a mid-2000s uh, premium phone, which is what it was really trying to be. Uh, candy bar format, it had a two-inch color screen, and then allegedly potentially metal buttons. And Apple didn't really try to hide the fact that this was a partnership with Motorola. Uh, and we'll actually play a clip <laughs> that's pretty funny. There's one more thing about iTunes that we're announcing today. You've probably heard about this. Uh, today, we are introducing the iTunes phone. This is a phone that we have worked on with Motorola that has an iTunes client in it where you can play iTunes music that you've gotten from your CD library or bought from the online store right on your phone. The phone is made by Motorola. We have designed the iTunes client and worked with them to integrate it into the phone. It's called a Motorola Rocker, R-O-K-R, and it's a pretty cool phone. It's a quad-band GSM phone. It's got a built-in camera, built-in stereo speakers that are quite good, actually. Stereo headphones with a headset on them as well. But the coolest feature of the phone, of course, is that it's got iTunes built right in. It, you know, it turns out you said this phone looked old. It actually was basically just a, another rebadged Motorola phone, the E398, a very memorable name. Yeah, well, it wasn't It wasn't a memorable phone either. It wasn't high-end. It was like a low-end phone that had already been out for like, what, almost like a couple of yeah. years, I think. They basically took it yeah. off the shelf and they turned it into the rocker. So this phone was a Motorola phone. It had Motorola software, Motorola buttons, but it came bundled with uh, an application called iTunes. And this application was made to look and work much like an iPod. It didn't have the click wheel, of course. You had to use the little, I guess it has a D-pad on it or little arrow keys. Uh, it's one of those little nubs that's like a joystick, but it's... A... So, so the worst possible way to get around. Yeah, uh-huh. it's really, really bad. What this reminds me of is if you've used Safari for Windows back when that was a thing. It was like Apple's design language mm. on Windows. It was like, ooh, everything about this is foreign and weird, but <laughs> it's uh, it's what they did. People could browse their music via artist or album, check out playlists, and then play music right on the phone via the built-in speakers... Ooh. Mm. or using headphones. Now, in theory, this actually sounds like a pretty good idea because the iPhone didn't exist, right? Yeah. Everyone was carrying a, a regular phone. There were a few nerds and business people that had a BlackBerry or a Palm Trio, but most people were carrying a Razor or you know just a standard run-of-the-mill phone. This was that, but it integrated the other thing that most people had in their pockets, an iPod. Now, you might be thinking, why on earth would Apple risk jeopardizing iPod sales on a phone that they didn't even really make? And don't worry, (laughs) because the rocker could only hold 100 tracks at a time. And that was for the US. If you actually look at European models, uh, like the one I have, it was 50. Oh, that's terrible. And it doesn't matter if they're music or audiobooks, podcasts even. 50, 50 items, that's, that's it. it, or 100 in the U.S. Man. Yeah. So to uh, to access this media, like we said, the interface was very Apple-esque, and uh, you didn't even have to touch Motorola software to get there because it came with this really cool feature called a hardware button. It had a green music note mm. that kind of looked like the iTunes logo at the time, and you would just press that, and the iTunes application would launch. This is a feature, by the way, Jobs would make fun of when they announced the iPhone about plastic buttons and you can't reprogram them. But this is what they had to rely on a few years earlier. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Jobs, uh, one of the things that he pitched on stage that they made a big deal of, and you know, it seems table stakes, a little silly today, but, but back then, I mean, it was a, a fairly interesting feature, was that if you were listening to music and you received a call, your music would pause. You could take your phone call. 
And then once you'd hang up, the music would resume. But yeah, here's the thing. When Jobs demoed it on stage, the music didn't resume playback after the call. (laughs) (laughs) And there were chuckles in the crowd. You could see Steve visibly flustered, maybe a little angry and frustrated, but also like seemingly a little confused. Uh, He said on the stage that he hit the wrong button, but I don't know if he really did because he looked like, look, Steve had trouble with demos every once in a while, but he generally nailed them. And something as simple as pushing the correct button, like, I don't know, maybe it was a bug, maybe it wasn't. But in any case, the music did not resume after he said that it would. And it was it was a funny little moment that he played off pretty well. But yeah, not the most uh, fantastic initial impressions. Yeah, that, that moment really stands out watching this video. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he has his glasses like up on his head, you know, and he's trying to like work mm-hmm. it out. So after this, demo, which kind of worked. Uh, Then we get what I call the parade of CEOs, although it's actually not even CEOs, parade of partners. We'll go with that. Parade of people who could be suckered into doing this. So Jobs invited Motorola's president of mobile devices, uh, a guy named Ron Garrix on stage. I'll give Garrix this. We've seen other executives who have shared Apple stage Right, you think about the iPhone and like the the president of Singular is like reading off index mm-hmm. cards and he's like bumbly and sweaty. I think Garrick's did a pretty good job. He was maybe a little too excited that like Steve Jobs had been involved with something he worked on, but I mean, who wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's fair. Uh, yeah, he, he he wasn't bad. I mean, I, I can understand that. Then after that, uh, Singular uh, had one of their. Uh, executives come up on stage, COO Ralph de la Vega. You see, I was intended to read that one. Um, It's right, L'Espanol. It's coming in. Uh, And you might wonder, well, why Singular? Uh, Pretty obvious. Singular Wireless was named as the phone's U.S. carrier exclusively for the Rocker, which uh, coincidentally was the same carrier that would uh, be the partner and the launch partner with the original iPhone in 2007. And then in between the announcement of the iPhone and it actually shipping in June, uh, there was kind of like a merger and Singular turned into AT&T. But in any case, Ralph De La Vega comes up on stage to extol the amazing virtues of the phone and to talk about how the rocker was a sign of things to come. The convergence of technology and media and connectivity. Here's the thing. (laughs) He's not wrong. This phone well, isn't what did it, but, but the vision is right. We're going to get to that at the end of the episode. Like, <laughs> you know, what this phone signaled did come to pass, but this phone was long gone by the time uh, by the time that it did. So he's on stage. He's talking about the battery life being really, really good. Mm. And then they show off this advertising campaign. So Motorola had its own ads. Singular was going to do its ads. And most of them are like puns with music. And my favorite one is Elvis may have left the building, but now you can get him on the phone. I think that's a very good line. I really like that. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Well, what else did he tell us? Uh, he he basically told us that, look, Singer's going all in on this, right? They were really pouring a lot of money and effort behind this phone. They really saw this phone as a way to make the the cool kids love Singular. Like all this advertising, it's got iTunes plastered all over it, right? And remember, 2005, I mean, we're pretty close to peak iPod, right? Like, they're everywhere, and they viewed this as a way to tap into that, and so they were just, they were all in, they were all very excited. Yeah, there you have it. I guess it's time to launch the phone now, right? After this break. Mm, Now that's a segue. This episode of Flashback is brought to you by Technology Untangled. Finding a new podcast is a lot of fun, and Technology Untangled is a super interesting one to check out. Hosted by Michael Bird, Technology Untangled is a show that deciphers tech's rapid evolutions with one simple question in mind. What's really going to shape our future, and what's going to end up in the bargain bin with the floppy disk? Just this morning, I checked out an episode about supercomputers, very interesting to learn about how they're being used in our modern era. I think sometimes I think about supercomputers as like, that's what we use in the 60s to go to the moon. But they're being used today to deal with problems like the coronavirus. Past guests include people from Google, Aston Martin Red Bull Racing, the New York Times, Nokia, and more. And to give you an idea of episode topics you can expect, things like a deep dive into 5G, which untangles the who, what, whys, and hows of 5G and what it means for us as regular people, 
uh, AI, the future of jobs, and an episode on energy innovation and a mission to Mars. So search for Technology Untangled anywhere you listen to your podcast, and we'll include a link in the show notes. Our thanks to Technology Untangled for their support of the show and Relay FM. Okay, so in true Apple fashion, right after the keynote, well, okay, not right after the keynote, but the weekend after the keynote happened, the phone goes on sale. That is a very, well, it was a very Apple thing to do. It doesn't happen as often anymore, but man, that was the best. We'd find out about something we had never heard of, and they're like, by the way, it's available today. And you're like, how did this stay a secret? And now they say, air power, coming out soon, and then... Look what happens. Anyway. Well, I mean, you can't pick on air power. <laughs> you tried so hard. But, okay. Well, but, did yeah. they though? Yeah, it's a different era, right? I mean, yeah, uh, it was. now they have like supply chain leaks all over the place. And it's very different now. But yeah, it was it was on sale that weekend. I guess they thought people were going to like flock to singular stores on Saturday and buy this thing. <laughs> it was pretty pricey. It was $249 with a two-year contract here in the U.S. Very pricey. Now, like you said... You know, you could maybe get away with just carrying one device instead of two. And, you know, you're paying for a phone and an iPod. So yeah, it was still expensive. So how do you get your music on the phone? Simple USB cable to your PC or to your Mac. Plugs right in the bottom of the phone. And it launches iTunes. And I just want to point out two things on here. The first one is right in the source list. The phone pops up right in the source list. You can drag music right to the phone. Really easy. And secondly, if you want to fill up your phone and you don't want to drag in songs, you've got autofill. Just like on the iPod Shuffle, you can push a button, have it select 100 songs out of any playlist or your library, and put them right on the phone. As a matter of fact, you know, the way we think about this phone really is it's an iPod Shuffle right on your phone. And so let's, let's just compare the two and you'll see that it really compares well. Again, both have about 100 songs. Both have the ability to shuffle songs. Both have autofill. Neither one has a click wheel. You know, for 100 songs, you get by without that. But the phone also has a display, which is really nice. You can see what's playing and have a little bit better navigation. Yeah, and, and to make matters worse, well, reviews, they were a bit mixed. Even though Apple had been clear about the phone's 100-track limitation, many people, understandably, found it frustrating, including Kent German, or Kent Hermann, I don't know how to say that, and James Kim at CNET. Um, they say, the Motorola Rocker E1 takes a step towards integrating a usable audio jukebox, gotta love that phrasing, into a functional cell phone, but the 100-song limit and the slow processor performance will disappoint iPod users looking to carry a single do-it-all device. And, well, they're, they're not wrong, but they didn't hate everything. The pair did like the inclusion of easy-to-use volume controls, writing... We liked that the dedicated volume controller on the left spine allows you to adjust levels for calls and music no matter what screen you're on. The control makes the Rocker E1 sleeker and more agile, though those looking for the prowess of an iPod will be sorely disappointed. It's kind of weird to think that, you know, phones back then didn't have volume control on the side of the <laughs> yeah, device. Yeah, Because that's, that's the only thing we have now, but... It, it did, and that's a great idea, and it worked well, and it does it does work. I can testify to that. I have one in front of me. Clicking those metal, maybe not metal buttons. Uh, the ones on the side are definitely plastic, but they sound nice. Listen. That is nice. Yeah, that's right. So CNET wasn't alone in this sort of uh, mixed bag approach. So for the now defunct Mobileedia, uh, Alan Sai called out more than just the iPod integration being a weak point for the rocker. Uh, so he wrote, with the recent popularity of the iPod and iTunes service, Motorola decided to seek Apple when designing a music phone. Perhaps the most hyped phone to date. Mm. A flurry of rumors came even before Apple officially announced the rocker. Uh, part of the new family of Motorola music-focused phones. So they had some other models you could, like, sync MP3s to, but this was the blessed child with the iTunes integration. All right. Uh, the Rocker E1 is uh, the first phone shipped to store shelves, resembling the Motorola E398 released last year, which we talked about. Uh, the Rocker E1 is virtually identical, except with the addition of Apple's iTunes software. And then he gets into uh, the what he calls 
crippling and limiting song cap of 100 tracks, uh, a byproduct of corporate negotiating, Apple didn't want the rocker to take away profits from its iPod portfolio. About the physical size of an iPod mini with a storage capacity of an iPod shuffle, consumers seeking a music player should look towards Apple iPod products for more value and more features. Didn't mince words there. Harsh, but true. Yeah, to say the least. I mean, it it does get worse if you're looking for it to get worse. Um, We should mention the built-in camera was a measly 0.3 megapixels, which was not great for the time, but it wasn't horrible. That said, (laughs) the camera, despite its resolution, was awful. It captured small, grainy, uh, terrible images, even if the optional flash uh, was fired. So not great. Mm-mm. And it, the optional optional flash is, is absurd. I'm looking at the back of mine right now. And above the actual camera, there's this little silver dome that looks like it would be a flash, but it, it's not. It's just injection molded plastic. And then sometimes they have those little mirrors like early flash phones did to kind of help increase the the reflection of the flash this one doesn't seem to do that because it's painted matte i I don't i don't understand this phone anyway lastly we have john gales who reviewed the phone on mobile tracker writing and and i really like this one because it could not be more dead on there is no compelling reason to use the rocker e1 over a good regular phone and a separate music player unless you really cannot stand using multiple devices. You can get a Razer from Amazon.com for free. On contract, of course, but for free. And snag a 512 megabyte iPod Shuffle for $99. Or, heck, get the new iPod Nano for $249, which was the same price as the Rockery one. And have oodles of space. In fact, even if I bought a rocker, I would still use an iPod to play music because it simply gives a superior music playing experience. Look, this just goes on and on. We could be here all day Mm -hmm. (laughs) reading reviews like this. Reading quotes. Uh, There'll also be a link in the show notes to David Pogue's column on the New York Times about this. And I liked his take on it was that the phrase iPod phone... Most people would hear that and have expectations from Apple about what that would mean and what it could do, and that the rocker simply didn't live up to those expectations. Yes, you could plug it in, and it would show up in iTunes like an iPod, and you could sync your music to it. You you could use autofill, where iTunes would pick the tracks and take up as much space as possible. But the usability of it and the design of it just wasn't up to the standard Apple was at. Even in 2005, by this point, the iPod is rocking and rolling, and Pogue argued that Apple squandered some of that brand goodwill on a device like this. And I I think he's right. I I really don't understand what compelled Apple to do this. Yeah, I... Well, we'll talk about that later. The good thing is they didn't they didn't ruin the iPod name because this wasn't an iPod phone, Stephen. It was the iTunes phone. Okay. He's silent. <laughs> yeah, because it, because it's it's impossible to understand because mm-hmm. there's no store. You can't download stuff to it. No. It is an iPod. It shows up in iTunes and you sync stuff yeah. to it. But Apple wanted to use the iTunes brand and I guess reserve the iPod brand for themselves and not muddy those waters. So I see why Apple made that distinction. Yeah. But on the surface of it, the name doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. There, it has nothing in common with iTunes. Everything in common with iPod, except for just whatever your perceptions of iPod are, make them worse, <laughs> and then double that, and then that's the rocker. Yeah. Okay. So remember how we talked about that 100 track limit earlier that was enforced? That wasn't. Uh, look, that, uh, an optimistic person would say, "Okay, well, look. You know, this was a flash-based device. This was a, a a phone primarily. It wasn't a music player. It was two hundred fifty dollars. Like, surely it was just a, you know a storage limitation." Nope. <laughs> the rocker ship with five hundred twelve megabytes of removable flash storage. There's actually an SD slot in here, which is interesting, uh, tucked underneath the battery, which is user accessible, um, which means in theory that you could upgrade it. But even with five hundred twelve megs of storage. That is that that should hold well over 100 songs, yeah. and the fact that you could sync 100 podcasts or 100 audiobooks is pretty obvious that the limitation is in firmware. And and really, it just comes across as defensive from Apple to protect their iPod sales. 
Um, and it really hampered it right out of the gate. But I don't know that they even needed to do that because as we've discussed with all the other hardware issues, even without the limit and the cap, I don't know that it would have become a, a viable iPod replacement anyways. I agree with that. I think of reading this, yeah, the 100 cap's a bummer, but it had so many other things stacked against it. Like maybe that doesn't even matter. I think I think you have a good point there. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about actually using it. Because like I mentioned, I have one here on my desk and uh, you can ask me any question you want. Uh, we'll do that right after this break. This episode of Flashback is brought to you by Command Line Heroes. Command Line Heroes is a podcast that tells the epic true tales of developers, programmers, hackers, geeks, and open source rebels who are revolutionizing the technology landscape. Season 7 has just started. It explores the pivotal year of 1995. It was the start, of course, of the dot-com boom, but lots of things had to come together for the internet to succeed in the first place. Long before you could just hop on GoDaddy or Hover or whoever to grab a domain name, you had to call somebody. You had to call Elizabeth Jake Fiendler, who is the keeper of all domains. Episode 1 of Season 7 features a conversation with Elizabeth, who's now in her 90s, about how she managed the early internet and how her team needed to create DNS. 1995 was also the year that ISPs became the dominant gateway to the information superhighway. But how did things go from ARPANET all the way to where we are now? Well, it turns out none of it would have happened without a team of intrepid engineers at the University of Michigan and a network they built called the NSFNet. This is a super fascinating season of podcasts. I've really enjoyed the episodes I've gotten to hear. Go check it out. You can search for Command Line Heroes anywhere you listen to podcasts. And of course, there'll be a link in the show notes. Our thanks to Command Line Heroes for their support of the show and Relay FM. I have a confession to make. Okay. I bought a razor after the last after the last episode. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> you did you get it already? Yeah. Yeah. I okay, basically well, bought what, it. What model did you after get? After we finished recording. Uh it's over there on the shelf. It's the it's a Verizon Silver one. Um it was the best looking one under like 15 bucks. But Okay. Uh, it's really nice. And so this this show makes us buy old things, but you already own a rocker. So A, I want to know. I beat the show. I did you, it. You, you win flashback. Did you <laughs> That's right. use this phone in the day? Or did you get it later? Like, tell me the story of your rocker. Uh, no, I did not use this phone back in the day. I was a razor boy. And I said, see you later, boy. And then yeah. I went and bought a Nokia 6820, which was the phone that I owned before my iPhone, right. which was the first smartphone I bought. And I've been there ever since, kind of, mostly. Fanboy. Uh, I bought this... <laughs> yeah. I bought this rocker on eBay uh, two years ago because we wanted to make a YouTube video about it because I remembered, oh, yeah, Apple made a phone with Motorola and it was pretty bad. Let's talk about that. These things, Stephen, are a little bit harder to find than you'd think. I've been looking and... They're not out there. Nope. I, I was poaching the internet for like a couple weeks. We ended up finding one that was not very inexpensive. I think I paid probably close to $100 Ooh. for it, which is bananas. Too much. And mine is an import model. Can you guess where mine came from? I don't know. Where did it come from? The keyboard is in Russian. So <laughs> I'm guessing <laughs> from Russia. <laughs> yeah. It's... um. It's an interesting looking device. Uh, it's black. The one that was launched on Singular in the US was silver. Mm -hmm. This one is black with silver keys. I think it looks even worse than the than the US version because it's just like everything's silver except for the black part and it looks out of place. And then the other thing that's funny is at the bottom, as is classic with these mid-2000s phones and frankly on Android phones up until like three years ago, there was a spot for a big old carrier badge at the bottom and the Russian carrier that provided this phone didn't seem to want to put one. So I have a black <laughs> sticker covering a rectangle at the bottom of the phone and it's peeling up and it looks awful. They were ashamed. They didn't want to put their name their name on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so. Yeah. So uh, have you ever held one of these? No. You've never even seen one? Uh, I've, I've never seen one, never held one. I've I've played with one of its uh, successors, which we'll talk about in a little mm. while. 
but yeah, this phone has eluded me. I have searched for one on and off off the years, and I found the same thing you did, that they're very hard to come by, and when they are on eBay, they're expensive. And so I don't have any real hands-on experience with this at all. Yeah, well, what a bummer. You're missing out on Am I? something that is not worthwhile. <laughs> no, you're not. Okay, so when compared to the Razer, the Rocker feels dated. It feels cheap. I mentioned earlier, it looks like it's from another decade. It, it really does. And the build quality, it doesn't instill confidence. The Listen to this. Can you hear that? It's like very creaky sounding. Um, the display is downright awful. It is a really, really bad screen compared to a Razer screen. And the thing about the phone is it feels slow. Even running its old basic UI, it's really laggy. The camera, as we mentioned earlier, it's VGA, which frankly wasn't atypical for the time, but the abysmal picture quality was. Uh, it, it is truly astounding how bad these photos are. And I will shamelessly plug my video that we did on uh, this phone. Steven's going to put it in the, the show notes. But I have samples from the camera that we were able to pull off of the micro SD card, which was not easy for the record using modern uh, computers. And holy smokes, it is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they are so, so bad. It's unbelievable. Uh, I think my Game Boy camera took better photos. That's a joke, but it, it was really, really, really bad. And uh, yeah, it's just, there's, there's nothing remarkable about it at all. I, I do have some fun facts for you, if you're interested. I am interested. Okay. So it doesn't use a 30-pin connector like iPods of the era. It uses that classic kind of janky Motorola connector with all of the exposed pins. There's like two fangs on the end, and then there's all these little visible pins that you could snap off at a moment's notice. Um, and, and you would charge your Motorola phone on like the left three pins, but then if you wanted to use data, you could plug in the the you know, the cable to the bottom of, of the device and it covered up all probably 17 or 18 pins in here. Um, but this wasn't a connector specific to the rocker. It had been used on other Motorola phones before. And because of that, the other Motorola phones that preceded this one, they didn't, they weren't transferring music or multimedia. Right. It was really simple stuff like contacts and calendar books. And so get this, the transfer speeds used USB 1.0 oh, no. in 2005. <laughs> oh. It when I bought this phone and I started transferring music in iTunes, I legitimately thought that it was broken <laughs> because it was taking I'm not I'm not joking, Stephen. It took probably five to ten minutes to transfer a single song. Jeez. And so this notion that, oh, you can only fit a hundred songs on it, that's fine because it would take like three weeks to do the hundred songs. <laughs> no one actually ever proved it was a hundred songs. Uh, well well, yeah, I mean Apple used Firewire at first on the iPod. That's and right. then they transitioned to USB 2 once that was around. Because uh, 1.0 was just, I don't think 1.0 was ever designed with big data files in mind. No. And, and look, you know, some of the older iPods, especially the, the hard drive based ones, they weren't, I don't want to say they were fast. I mean, they were for the era, but you look at them now and you're like, well, that's pretty slow. But I, I promise you, you will look at the transfer speeds on this phone in iTunes and say that something is wrong. Mm -hmm. But nope, that's just the way it is. Uh, well, there are other weird things about this phone. Yeah, how's the audio? I mean, that's the whole point of it. <laughs> okay, so first of all, the plug-in headphones, you're going to need a pair of 2.5 millimeter oh. headphones. Now, if that sounds wrong, that's because what you're probably used to hearing is 3.5 yeah. millimeter headphones. 2.5 is little. Yeah, so this was a slightly a slightly smaller, little babier uh, barrel plug that you'd stick into the top of the phone. Which meant if you didn't want to use the included awful headphones that came with the device, I actually have them and I, I can tell that they've been used. So I, I ain't sticking those in my ears. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> two, two, tw there's 20 year old mysterious uh, uh, ear juice in them. Uh, <laughs> from, from Russia. They have moved to, uh, yeah, exactly, from Russia. Niet, uh, they have moved to, um, I mean, you would need a dongle in order to use this. This, this phone. phone really was ahead of its time. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah well you know what there's some really high-end headphones that use 2.5 millimeter um that's kind of a thing now but no you wouldn't use high-end headphones on this device because the audio quality is absolutely horrible now we did mention earlier it has stereo speakers and i, I gotta say for the time and, and even maybe now the speakers while bad were loud and so that was nice and, and there are some probably really crappy 
you know, low end budget smartphones today Mm -hmm. that have worse speakers than the speakers in this phone. So they really were pretty okay for the time. But the audio quality over the headphone jack, which you'd think would be good, was very, very, very bad. I also have an audio sample in the YouTube video we did. Everything is compressed. It sounds really, really bad. The DAC was garbage. And it was a stark contrast from the rest of Apple's iPod lineup, which was famously known for having very good digital to analog converters because Steve Jobs was famously an audiophile. And you know, if you wanted good quality music on a mobile, quote unquote, jukebox, as they call it, the iPod was the way to go. And this was just not that and very atypical for an Apple backed product of the era. And and frankly, even now, their their audio quality continues to be good today. And this was this wasn't it, Chief. Mm-mm. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about how this evolved, because we spoke about the Razor last time and Motorola basically slapped the name on a bunch of phones. Uh, this basically happened again. So this was announced in September 05. Yeah. In January 06, just a few months later, the uh, Rocker E2 was announced, but uh, it didn't have iTunes integration. It was just a Motorola phone that oh. you could, I think you could put MP3s okay. on. <laughs> oh. Short-lived. Yeah. You think Motorola was mad about the iPod Nano? Yeah, since it was introduced 20 minutes later <laughs> and was way better. <laughs> It was more modern looking, although I still think unattractive. You know, one of those reviews mentioned the volume controls on the side of the phone and the E2 added uh, media transport keys to the side. So you could pause and, you know, go forward and back. That's kind of handy. It's good. Uh, Really good. And it had a better camera. Oh, 1.3 megapixels, boys. Oh, that's good. That's big numbers. Must be a good. Must be a good camera. That's right. Uh, it also USB two, so it syncs mm. much better now with <laughs> iTunes. Of course, uh, you had to use yeah. Motorola's synchronization tool to add songs and access data. And I looked at some screenshots of this, and boy, does it look bad. Woof. I wonder if there was even a Mac app available. There may not have been. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the Mac had iSync for some of this stuff, and a lot of Motorola phones oh, yeah. worked with yeah. iSync. I don't know okay. if the E2 did specifically, but I bet Motorola Maybe. didn't write their stuff for the Mac. Yeah, okay. So this phone turns out to be a massive success, and everyone loves it, right? Mm-hmm. Changed the world. Okay, cool. End of the episode. Well, Stephen, thanks uh, to our sponsors. Uh, No, most of the reviews on this phone, they were not very positive. Um, They stated that the phone paled in comparison to the competing Ericsson Walkman phone models, which also shipped with media functions. And so I don't know what Motorola's deal was. They just, they, they weren't good phones. They weren't cheap. This phone also launched at $200, which is not inexpensive. But don't worry. There's another phone to come in and save the day. That's right. It's called the Sliver L7. And actually, it didn't come in to save the day because it actually came out a little bit before the Rocker, which is weird. But then it also changed after the Rocker came out. Yeah. Because this is weird. Hang with me. It also shipped with iTunes. But it only shipped with iTunes after it started shipping. Like the Sliver L2. They didn't make a new model. It was called the Sliver, the L7. They started making one. And then iTunes phone came out with the rocker. And then they're like, hey, this phone is a phone. Let's put iTunes on this one too. And it mostly served the international market. Now, there were a couple of sliver models. There was the L2 and the L7. The L2 is weird because that was basically the original. No, that was the rocker E2. This is getting very confusing, Stephen. Okay, I'm going to go chronology. Okay, sliver L7 comes into existence and it's fine. Then the Motorola rocker comes out. It's the best phone ever made and people rejoice. Okay. Then the Sliver L2 gets a slight update, but not a model number change, and starts shipping with iTunes support overseas. So the Rocker was apparently primarily sold in the United States and allegedly Russia. (laughs) And then elsewhere in Europe, they got the Motorola L7, okay? After the L7 comes out, the Rocker E2 and the Sliver L2 come out at the same time, which was the version that we just talked about that didn't have iTunes. And the Sliver L2 was basically the E2, but it didn't have a camera or music features or external memory. So it it wasn't a Rocker, basically. Hmm. I I don't know. This is all very confusing. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Look at the L7. That's a, I mean, that's a much more handsome phone, if I do say so myself. I think so, too. Uh, this is where I came across these phones. My brother had some generation of Sliver, and I remember it being really cool. I mean, it's 
it feels, especially the the later ones, feel like basically a candy bar razor, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very weird. You know, some of these phones had <laughs> official iTunes support. Some didn't. Uh, it looks like a, basically all of them are supported by iSync, so you could do that if you wanted to get other stuff on there. But yeah, this is just very classic, very messy Motorola product scheme. Yep. To, to, to cloud things and make them even worse. There was one more model. Well, actually, there were two more. There's one more that I didn't put in the notes, so you can't see it, but it's called the Z6M. And it was a CDMA version of the Rocker V6 or Z6, which didn't appear to be released as far as I'm aware in the US. So it was mostly an international phone. The CDMA version came out on uh, US Cellular. <laughs> as a prepaid phone. And it was basically the Rocker E2, but with a slider. And so it had a more Razor-esque design. It's actually a very, very handsome phone. I like the look of it. It has a D-pad instead of that dinky little nub, which is way better. And it launched in October of 2007 alongside the Napster to go services launch. And uh, yeah, that was a phone. A few people bought it. And it didn't have iTunes, so who cares? Let's talk about the last Razer that came out. Please. And I double-checked this date because this phone came out in October 2010. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, That's right. That's right. That's the, the real date. The Rocker E6. So uh, mm. this is basically them just reusing the name. This phone didn't really have anything in common with the no. the earlier models. Uh, it was. Um, it tried to be a smartphone. But I think yeah. we would classify this as like a feature phone. Like it's not dumb, yeah. but it's not a smart, a modern well, smartphone either. But yeah, right, right, it's right. it's in the middle. Okay. So it has a stylus compatible touchscreen, mm. but hardly any software support. It ran Motorola's weirdo Linux based OS, so not Android, not Windows Mobile. It's a weird. This is a weird phone. <laughs> It really is. To make matters worse, its hardware selection was super odd. It included support for Bluetooth headphones, which in 2010 were like fairly new still, right? So it supported audio over Bluetooth, but didn't have Wi-Fi, just further reiterating the point that this was really not a smartphone. And then when it came to media functionality, because again, this was a rocker, so clearly it had a focus of music, uh, it came with RealPlayer built in. And uh, it supported SD cards up to two gigs. Now, the media app was allegedly fairly good. RealPlayer on Windows has long been known as, you know, an app. <laughs> I think I think people like it. Uh, people that had used iTunes probably thought it was not quite as good. Yeah. But um, CNET did have the following to say. As a basic multimedia phone, it's quite enjoyable to use, but there are plenty of more capable multimedia phones out there. Motorola's dual-headed pitch for the E6 may have satisfied, satisfied us in the design stakes, as it's clearly a phone that could suit either boardroom or beer garden, but when it comes to actual usage, it's just not that flash in either aspect. Also, there were two typos in that quote, so I don't really know that they proofread or cared about this phone at all. Beer garden. That's what I think about when I review a phone. Yeah, right, right. Uh, there yeah. there are some uh, Sliver L7s on eBay, just some real-time follow-up. Well, it was, it was the much better-selling phone. It actually looked good. No iTunes, though. The iTunes phones, the Rocker E1 okay. and the Sliver L7, they were killed off pretty quickly. So Apple removed iTunes support yeah. for them in iTunes 7, which came out just a year after the original Rocker. So if you bought one of these on a two-year contract, a year in, you were playing the game of, oh no, please don't update iTunes <laughs> so my music stops syncing. <laughs> uh, and if you want to experience this today, obviously you, you, you know, you're not going to be using Finder and macOS Big Sur. You're going to need to find a version of iTunes right. 6 on an old PC which, or Mac. Which is funny because was it not you, the man who went through like 900 dongles to plug an original iPod into a modern Mac? Yeah, it was me. Wasn't that you? Yeah, Mega Dongle. Yeah. And it worked, didn't it? It did. So you can plug an original 2001 iPod in and get it to work in Finder in the latest version of macOS. But the rocker? Nope. Nope. <laughs> and this was actually a big pain in the butt because when I <laughs> bought mine and tried to make a video on it, by the way, there's no documentation for this crap because no one bought this phone and no one liked it and no one's talked about it in 12 years. And so it's it's impossible to find anything online about it. Um, we discovered 
that, you know, it worked for like three versions of iTunes and iTunes did this weird signing thing for a while where you couldn't install it if you had a previous version. So it, long story short, it was a freaking disaster. And it wasn't until I booted up an old PowerBook G4 running macOS 10.4 Tiger that I was able to sync my rocker. So don't buy one, even if you find one, because good luck getting anything on it. It's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. So there, there, there are a couple of things to talk about in terms of you know, viewing this phone as a, as a trendsetter. I mean, I think the obvious one is everything collapsed into the smartphone just a few years after this, including the iPod itself, right? right? Like yeah. the only iPod that's yeah. left now runs iOS. I mean, standalone music players, unless you're on the very high end, they're just not really a thing for the vast majority yeah. of consumers. We're all just streaming on our phones or our tablets or our computers. And even things, I mean, you know, there's 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 sort of that meme picture of like a dude with all this stuff spread out, and then like there's a phone, like everything in the backpack got replaced by a phone. But that's really true. And this phone, even though it was apparently and obviously deeply flawed, it does point in that direction a little bit. That hey, your mm-hmm. music player and phone are going to fold into one. You know, it didn't really have the smartphone stuff, so. You're not really doing your email on this. You're not really doing a lot of web browsing on this. You're not running apps on this. Um, you're certainly not using it as your main camera, but it was an early step in that direction. Yeah, it, it was. It was. But I, I just want to ask the question, Stephen. What was the goal here? <laughs> I mean, clearly, Motorola, they knew that the iPod brand had a lot of stock. Yeah. So, so I would have... You know, I would think that they would want to make one of their compelling models, like the Razer, mm-hmm. iTunes phone capable. And would not have a model like that done extremely well? I mean, remove the remove the song limit, put it on a Razer, and boom, you've got a success on your hands. So I have a, a very complicated theory about this. Okay. So I got some hear. red yarn and some tape up on my walls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Apple in, in 2005, they're working on the iPhone, or at least they're testing the waters of the iPhone. Right. Okay. So yeah. early on, they they know they need a carrier partner, and this gets them in the door with Singular. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, you know, as you mentioned, Singular is the launch, uh, exclusive launch partner for the iPhone, the only official US carrier for the iPhone until the iPhone 4 in 2010. Mm-hmm. So you have that angle. You have Motorola thinking Apple is really cool. And Apple kind of may be putting up with it because they get singular out of the deal. Like, I think maybe Apple is willing to do this and, like, just kind of hold their breath and do it, knowing that it got them a relationship with uh, a cell phone carrier. And I would imagine that when they're working with Motorola on this, they're also learning a lot about, smart, you know, phone stuff. And so I think Apple viewed this as a stepping stone to something bigger and Motorola thought it was going to be awesome and maybe didn't realize they were getting taken for a ride as much as they were. Okay. You know what? I That seems reasonable because, okay, so this is late 2005. You have to figure by late 2005, you know, the iPhone's only a year and change away. Yeah. It, it's deep into development. Like they know roughly what the iPhone's going to be. They they had allegedly worked at some point on some click wheel iPod smartphone. That, that was you know, that was down the tubes by mid 2004, I think. Like that was, that was no longer the focus. The iPhone as it, you know, was, as we know it today, was in the works at least. Apple had an idea of what they wanted it to be. And carriers at the time, we don't think of them much like this anymore, but at the time carriers were incredibly powerful because these phones were sold on contract. Most phones were carrier exclusive and then carriers could even dictate what the OS looked like, uh, you know, what applications were installed on them. And the iPhone, when it came out, ditched the notion of all of that. Mm -hmm. The carriers, they couldn't put their badge on it. They couldn't put their OS on it. They couldn't install their crappy applications on it. This was Apple's phone. And I think if my memory is correct, they had actually gone to Verizon initially and Verizon was like, no, we're not doing that. Try again. That's not how the mobile phone space works. Go back to selling iPods, kind of effectively. And then they ended up going with Singular and well, the iPhone completely upended how carriers <laughs> worked with the phones they yeah. released. So yeah, okay. I, I buy your 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 theory that this was to get the foot in the door with carriers, but 
man, it was it was not a, a thing that really worked out. And you can tell Jobs's heart was not into it. Clearly, they knew that this phone w- was not cool <laughs> because they had they had you know when comparing the ipod nano to a smartphone or to a phone that people were familiar with they compared the ipod nano's size to the razor the phone that jobs called the coolest phone in the world and that was after they had announced the rocker yeah so they say hey here's this itunes phone by the way the razor's the coolest phone yeah, in the world. yeah he's comparing it to the ipod nano and like forgets that he just announced the motorola phone 10 minutes before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we see this sometimes from Apple where, like, you can kind of tell their heart's not in something. And I think this is a yeah. really clear example of that. Like, very clearly, the iPod was their baby. And we know now that the iPhone was well underway and would very quickly right. become the most important thing in the business. And this just kind of sticks out with that view that we have now, you know, years later. There you have it. The world's most important phone. You're welcome, Flashback listeners. (laughs) If you want to read more about the Motorola Rocker and its cousins and children and sadness, head on over to the Mm. website at relay.fm slash flashback slash 16. While you're there, you can get in touch. There's an email link. You can become a member and support the show directly, which we really appreciate. Uh, Quinn, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash snazzy or on any social media network except for the ones that I deem dumb, like TikTok. Uh, and what are the other ones? Uh, Path. I don't use that one anymore. I don't Not think like anyone around. uses Path anymore. Um, <laughs> at snazzy Q. Steven, where can people find you? You can find me on a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM, including Connected and Mac Power Users. You can find me on Twitter at ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode. They are our friends at Technology Untangled, as well as Command Line Heroes. And before we let you go, I want to tell you about another show here on Relay FM that I think you would enjoy. That is called Make Do. Uh, It's a show about creation uh, and everything that goes into that. So we all have hobbies. You don't have to monetize them. But if you want to, Make Do is ready to be your cheerleader. Uh, It is hosted by Tiff Armit and Julia Scott. You can check it out at relay.fm slash make do or search for Make Do wherever you get your podcast. And Quinn, until next time, say goodbye. See you later, folks. Bye, y'all.